Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for, for being here. And uh, I think we're streaming, so we got people that are that are watching. And uh, I figured we'd kick it off. Just um, I might just start off with how I how I found the book, and then we'll go from there. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah. So I'll start off, then I'll turn it over to to Jim. Um, so Jim and I have been friends for a, a few years now, and I've always uh, looked up to him. And my daughter and I would would watch his shows on Outdoor Channel, and um, then we met, and then I wrote a book. And Jim was one of the first person, people that uh, we were together, actually, when Chris Pratt called and said he wanted to, to option it in uh, January of 2018 before it had even hit shelves. And then what, uh, what year did you send it to me? Call me Hunter. I finished in 2020, so it would have been right then. So sent it. started 2019. 2019. Can you hear me? I forgot. Is this thing on? Test, test, test. You can How's hear me? back. Okay. Good. 2019, November. I, I picked it up again because I started in 1997. Okay. So eight months later is when I, I had the uh, pretty rough version with the original title. Yeah. And I sent it off to you. Okay. Because so. you promised. He promised when we were standing there, Chris Pratt, and I go, Chris Pratt's calling him? Like, anybody can do this, right? So <laughs> I said, I got I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write a novel, and and, and he comes. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like you know. <laughs> I didn't. And say I said that. no. I was serious. I I started it, like I say, in 1997. Started when I was 10 years old. Was gonna be a novelist, but but uh, horrible. <laughs> Eight pages in, I said no. I need to live a life and and hone this craft and this skill. So I I, I penned the first words. Zhivago is dead. I hunted him down and I killed him, in 1997, and then I went to the first chapter and I, I knew what the story was. But it wasn't complete. I, I hadn't lived enough life, and it's very important for me to write the novel I wanted to write, to have the experiences to write about. So, so I waited for another 25 years or so, and uh, to, no, 2019 November sat down and and uh, started writing the rest of the book. So eight months later is when you got. So, tw so in in 2020, end of 2020, you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah end of and 2020. I, and I don't think I, I read it until, was it like February yeah. of Tell 2021? Nah, <laughs> well, well, this is the reason. This is the reason. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to hear it. I, I, you promised, Mr. Chris <laughs> Pratt and Mr. Terminal List, you promised. And, and you, know, you know what it's like to write, you put your heart and soul into something for months, months, years for me, a whole lifetime, and you give it to like, and then you, Crickets, crickets, <laughs> and and you don't want to bug him because he's doing great, and you, you know, and you go, oh, did he read it and hated it? You don't want you don't want that answer either, so so it, it's the worst thing in the world to sit there and wait. So okay, let's hear your stupid excuse for. <laughs> so what happened? Immediately was, reading it. <laughs> so what happened was I get books pretty regularly, people's screenplays now, um, and you know I saw. I try to read them and blurb and try to help as many people as I can type thing. But I wanted, and I'll do it, those other ones, pretty quick because I just need to get it off my plate. I just need to get it, get it done, and, and, get, and get back to work. But I wanted to spend time with yours because I knew, because we knew each other. And so, so you didn't, you, you had your piano tied to your hand. You couldn't text I me. I didn't want to say <laughs> the reason isn't because your novel sucks. It's because, <laughs> because I sat there for what, eight, 10 months thinking my novel sucked. Oh, and I failed it. My whole I, life dream. I told you I was getting to it, but what I wanted to do was get to it and, and not be interrupted and not rush through it. And so I had, I finished a book I was working on and I wanted to sit down because very rarely these days do I actually sit down and enjoy a book like I used to before I started writing. Um, now it's always research for the podcast, research for the book, doing a blurb for somebody or something like that. Uh, but I wanted to read yours the same way that I read books when I read them for enjoyment. Right. And so I sat down. I remember the exact chair I was in. I remember the house house we were in. And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, because ah, we do get books fairly regularly. And uh, I was like, I was worried because I was like, what if I don't like this thing? Because I, I love Jim. Yeah, and sorry, so what if I don't I'm like sorry. it? Like, you're not filling me with confidence here. He's like, <laughs> I'm building like, it up. I'm building he, it up. He's a friend. He's a friend. So I have to read this, but it's probably going to suck. No, it well, keeps coming back to that. Well, you just never know. You never know because I hadn't, hadn't read it yet. Um, I was fairly confident it wasn't just knowing, knowing you and knowing your life experience and knowing you wouldn't have sent it to me unless it was right. fantastic. Um, and so I sat down and I remember the chair and I read the first page and then I read the second page. And I was in, and I have my red, red, red pen in hand. I read with a red pen all the time, and uh, so I had that there. And I turned those pages over and put them next to next to me on this chair, on this little coffee table thing next to the chair. And I remember exactly I was reading it. My wife 
even knew something was different because she came in and looked and she could tell that something was different. Uh, I wasn't just like going through, trying to get through, getting interrupted, getting back. I know I was there. I was only in that book and it was so good. I texted you as soon as I was done and uh, told you how amazing it was and then sent it off to, to Emily Bessler. And I've never done that for, for anyone before because it has to be good. I can't just send her stuff because then if I start just sending her just everything, then it, it yeah. she won't read it um and yours was so good sent it she read it loved it and here we are today so i it's it's incredible but it, it's all due to you it's certainly not oh, due to me it's how it's how good this book is uh, it's, it's way more fun picking on them than <laughs> having to say yes 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 but to get a to get the call from jack like and and saying that he loved it i remember you, you i don't know if you i remember every word and you said, I, you, you told me you read the end of each chapter looking at how the chapters ended and set up the next chapter. And, and you, said, you said it was perfect all the way through. You said that it, was, it was written like what he would like, which I guess is quali he's qualified, <laughs> let's face it. But it was, it was um, I'm not sure how many people have tried to write a novel or a manuscript, but, but that, that, is is like a monstrous weight off your shoulders it's like yes yes you, you believe it's good you you spent your life writing it and and you believe it's you, you know it's the best you can do which is kind of part of the problem because you know if it's not good enough that speaks you know gotta go become a plumber or something but it but it, when when someone like jack and uh, not someone when jack specifically jack got a hold of me and, and told me that it was i mean i, I was I don't think my feet touched the ground. Well, since have anybody noticed how I floated down the aisle here? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean it, it. So we sent it to Emily. Sent it to Emily, and uh, and she she and did she love it right away? What was what? How did she, that work from there? Emily Blessler. How many of her know Emily Blessler? She's she's the rock star I, I, of editing, and, and I was just telling Jack backstage that she was the only one I wanted to read my novel. That was that was my goal. I tried every, and I'm fairly capable guy you know a lot of connections in fancy parts of the world and I, I used every single connection you think you can get to Emily Bessler I mean I I, I was trying going to try the Queen of England but the, at the very last second Jack got it to her so she she is the rock star of editing and when she got it she read half of it and then there was something happened in her family or something I remember and she got a hold of me and apologized profusely and said look you know this, this, and this has happened, and and uh, but I, the instant I we get over this part, I'm gonna pick it up again. And then when she picked it up, and I mean that's you know Jack, whatever. Emily Bessler had it in her hands. It was like, what does she think of it? Because because that's that's the litmus test. That's it. If if she likes it, then you know you, you, whether it sells or not, you know that it's it's good. And um, and she loved it. She got a hold of me. At one point, I had to do a, a Zoom call. Uh, you know, Emily Besser, I mean, we set it up in our, our, our Hand of Man Museum up on Vancouver Island with like a gigantosaurus, theropod, skeleton. In the back. Did everything to be as impressive as I could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, of course, the cowboy hat, I think, was, you know, I, I'm pretty sure she probably I think, uh. went, went like that as soon as she saw that. But, uh, but yeah, I was my most charming self I could possibly be on that Zoom call, trying not to blow it at that point. But but she yeah she she loved it, and that I told my wife uh, Louise, who 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 passed away just a month ago. But I I told her you know 39 years we were together, and I I uh, when I told her it was she she believed in me right from the beginning, and and it was it was really yeah I you know I can't again thank. Thank Emily, Jack. I'll slowly thank him over time as I get over the whole, you know, fact that I needed him. But, uh, but uh, Emily Bessler, I don't know that I could ever fully thank for what she did, taking that that book. And and I, I wrote it in the preface, taking that or in the acknowledgments, taking a, a chunk of granite. This isn't just a diamond in the rough. It's a chunk of granite, and and she just chipped away the little bits and pieces to end up with. Call me Hunter. So I can't can't thank Emily enough. If she's out there listening on the, I'm sure she's not too busy to be watching this. But uh, yeah, awesome, awesome lady, and thank you for. Is it's an honor? It was a true honor uh, because now everybody gets to enjoy it the way the way that I did. Not quite the way I did because the ending's a little different. Is that right? Uh, well, there was no ending. 
I, I left there it. There was an edit. I mean, it stopped. No, I left it exactly the way it should have been as a cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger. So I don't, I don't know how many have read that, but it was ended where uh, Nialo is, is screaming. Don't give away the end. Don't, okay, don't, okay. Don't, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the, the, uh, I, the ending was perfect in my opinion, my not so humble opinion, because I was very clear, very quickly straightened out by Emily. You know, when you have 10 bestsellers like Jack Carr, then you can leave a cliffhanger for the readers. Otherwise, they will hate you. So she, I had to write the first four chapters of the sequel because I've always seen it as a three-book series So, because I know the story. I mean, I lived it. So I had to write the first four chapters and tack them on to the back end of, which I don't know if you've even read them yet. No. Yeah, I'm there gonna, you go. Because I'm going to start at the beginning and go all the way through and enjoy it. Enjoy it, not read it yeah. the way that I read most things these days. So yeah. well, it's, a, it's a much better it. ending, I have to admit. There's a reason why Emily Bessler is the rock star of editing. It, it's just better. It wraps it up. And, and, uh, and you know, I still leave a few loose ends for the, because it's not, the story's not done. It's not done. And it's not because I, you know, think there's more money in sequels or whatever. It's because it's, it, it literally is. Well, I don't want to say my life. It's my story, and I know how long it is. So, so it's you know, there's at least two more books. But Emily might edit them down to one. I'm not sure. Well, remember what I said about the granite? But, That's a good uh, point. Good point. So, who here has uh, has read it already? One. Well, you're in for. Glad you didn't give away the ending. Jeez. <laughs> Golly. Uh, yeah. Day one, week one stuff right here, folks. Day one, week one. Uh, but. So, but if you read, uh, if you read the beginning, if you read the the preface, um, and you talk about some of the things that uh, that are true, and you give a challenge in there, actually, you talk about uh, challenge anybody to to research some of these things, and essentially tell me they're not true, or ask so and so, have them tell me this this isn't true. Um, has anyone started down that path yet? Has anyone started to, oh, to oh research yes. some of these oh, things? Oh yes, yeah. They they um, one reviewer took me to task on that because because in the preface i don't know if anybody's read that part i say google it do you know hire a private investigator look at it and he said and he got to the part about where i'd mentioned lonnie anderson and when he said oh yeah like you know i was going to call up lonnie anderson like that's not true and i i said well you know did you actually try and research it you know the date 1984 in a restaurant with stephanie zimlis and and uh, lonnie anderson and Michelle Lee. Anybody old enough to remember these names? Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, they, they, were, they were pretty hot in their day, and still are, actually. But, uh, you know, and then I, and with Laszlo George, a cinematographer, a Hungarian cinematographer, which Hungary features fairly prominently in this novel, um, and the most beautiful woman that the character, who at that time is Icarus, had ever seen in his life. And he said, yeah, that's all bull crap. You know, it's not, it's not. Well, I, I basically ran him through a, here, here's how you research this. And you look up Letter for Three Wives that was filmed in Vancouver in 1984 with those three actresses. Lazo George was a cinematographer. And if you go down the credits of the people, Louise Johan is there. My wife's name is Louise Johan. And so it's true. I was there. Uh, Icarus was there because I say in the preface, they won't know, that they'll know the character. Goldie Hawn will know the character, but not by the name in the novel. So I would love, go, go deeper and go deeper. I, somebody today actually um, found out who Pete and Rosie are. You know, like there's, this novel's got many, many layers. You can be, read it on a beach, but if you want to dig deeper, and I say it's like quicksand, I, I would love it because the more you, the more you fight against suspended reality, it's like quicksand. You struggle, you know. You 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 end up sinking deeper and deeper into the novel's hold. I would love somebody to spend millions, figure out what's true, and then decide. Maybe you know. Maybe it, maybe it is true, because that's where they'll end up. Because they're not going to be able to disprove it. Although, I do apologize because some of the proofs. Or have passed on in this world, so they can't, you know, that's my writer's prerogative to write that. Writer's license, yeah, do you have that? Yeah. Poetic license. So, so yeah, it, it's, and I say it's my story. It's my story. Is our world, the organization and the book, is it real? Yeah, 100% it's real. And if something ever happens to me, you know, untoward, you, you all heard it first here that it... <laughs> 
You're all in danger. Yeah, all right, Al. All right. That's right. Everybody associated with me. You are first. I'm done. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Get my head on a swivel. Uh, I do that anyway, though, so yeah, yeah. that's good. But uh, so when I read it, I didn't have the preface to uh, to read, so I dove in, and we knew each other, but you didn't prep me. I didn't I didn't no. have a prep no. as to what was coming. I just got this book, and I, so I had no, no, no prep, not, hey, this is what it's about, or no pitch, no anything. It was just, it just arrived, just a, just a book. And, uh, and so I started reading it thinking it's a, a thriller, and uh, just like something that someone else would, would write, something that these shelves are, are full of. But I know you, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, water polo, and I'm going, and like, and I'm thinking about the museum, and I'm thinking about things we've talked about, and things that I've seen you post before, seen you mention on the show, and then a lot of stuff that makes that made me think, wait a second, I don't know this, but is it true? Because this other thing I know is true, or this other thing I think is true, but I'm not. I never thought of it in those terms, the way it's being presented here. So it was so fun for me to read it like that, and I've never had a reading experience like it. So um, if, for, for those of you out there that, uh, that don't know Jim, um, but uh, I, I, I think it was so much fun to have watched the shows, followed social media, know a couple things. You don't need to go deep, but just follow a couple things and look at a couple photos on social media. Yes, what? I have to apologize. Um, the ductwork is not well fastened, and it sounds like the whole building's coming down. We are getting it repaired, but every time the air conditioning comes on and then it goes off, it, it there's a delay and it goes, and everybody flinches on that side of the store. But don't it probably won't. Nothing will it, fall. It's probably. really going to be okay. Yeah, it's all right. We're trained to take care of that sort of thing. I was going to say, if, if, right. if you or I flinch, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah, we should. Okay, gonna, then we're faking stay it. Stay strong. Stay strong. But, uh, but yeah, I got to read it and experience that way. So um, since you've, you haven't read it yet, just know, even if you don't haven't followed Jim on social channels or uh, don't know him personally or haven't watched the shows on Outdoor Channel, um, well, as you read this, these things that you're reading about, there is more than a whisper of truth in there. And that was so much fun for me uh, to read it like that. Um, but it was also fun that it wasn't set up that way. Like I didn't have the pitch and didn't have this preface. So that was, that was, that was amazing to read it like that. Yeah, a lot of people think it's, it's a hunting book, or, but it's not. It's, it's not at all. It, it's like I say, it's a, I, I call it a, a, um, an autobiographical abstract fictional thriller. Because I like it. You, you, That's I, it. I made a new category. Yep. It needs to be yep. right up there. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, Jim, tell us about why secret societies are just so enthralling. You know, everybody loves a secret society that only a number of people can belong to. And you've created a really interesting one in this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's been around forever. The Illuminati, they, they, they control the world. They're, but I, I honestly believe, you know, if you if you look at the five of the 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 cardinal vices you know what is it wrath and and greed and and arbor no arborist help me lust wow. now there's seven but two gluttony you can't count because that's just good marketing by fast food places so I, you, you gotta throw throw that out now they, they got to be modernized to five but look look around and see are there any organizations that are that are run by those by, you know, like, again, uh, w w the one virtue signaling should be one of the vices now. Yeah. But if you look around, and are there organizations run by those those vices? Of course there is. We all know it. And this is what the interest is because it's right there in front of us. We just can't, we can't, uh, I guess, encapsulate it. We can't get it on a shelf and look at it. But we know it's there. So that's why the fascination, it's always been there. Of course, of course. What we read, what we see, what we're told to believe is manipulated. It always has been. And we know it. We know it in our hearts. You know, even, even you know, I, I talked to somebody today, right and wrong. We all know inherently what, right, what is right and wrong. You know, someone's suffering, you help them. You're, you don't kill somebody. I mean, the, the, we know these are, this is universal. But all the other rights and wrongs that we sometimes get caught up in, they're just cultural perspectives. And, and smart people over here believe this, smart people over here believe this. We hate each other, we're never gonna talk to each other. You think that's not absolutely 100% manipulated and controlled? 
so that our reactions, you know, to make something happen, we, we need to vote for it or we need to stand up for it. Of course, of course it's, and that, that's why the fascination, because they exist. When I say our world exists, it, our world exists. Maybe not exactly as the novels outlined it. You know, it's, it's a variation of a theme, but it's there, and every one of us knows it. So that's, that's the fascination. And uh, I'm going to open it up for questions in a second because I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want to ruin anything in there because it is such a special book. You can't really throw it in a category. So you're absolutely right to have come up with your own. You said that. You, yeah. you, when, when we talked on your first podcast, that's what you said. He, 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 with your books in the background and, you know, obviously well-read guy with your big library. And you said, this is where this genre goes. And you said, these books over here. And you had a separate shelf. And you said, that's where your book belongs because it's a new thing. And I don't know, Barbara, is it... Is it a new thing, or is it just a, a rehash? Hopefully, don't answer if you're, if you're no, not going to. No, gonna... no, no, I'm not going to shoot you down. It is, um, it is a, a new thing, definitely. And one of the other things I wanted to mention is that, <clears throat> pardon me, I'll get up again. I don't know why I got down, because everybody knows I can't resist a microphone. But anyway, um, to have a really great thriller, you need to have two things. You need to have a serious antagonist, a serious bad guy, right? Otherwise, I mean, where would Clarice Starling be without Hannibal Lecter, right? Um, but the other thing is there have to be stakes that are high and that really are worthwhile. So what are the stakes, Jim, that you, without spoiling anything, what is, because there is a very high stake in your book. Well, I mean, the, the, the art, but, but that's just a metaphor. That's a, the art is a metaphor in the book. So it's not a, it's just, a, again, greed, arborous, the, the lust and, and uh, pride, out of control pride. The, these are, the, that's, that's truly the, um, the, I guess, the evil in this, in this book because it exists around us. And, and like you say, the book has many levels. It's, yes, there's a bad organization, but what is the bad organization? And how, you know, where do you want to, how do you want to associate it with your life? And if I'm getting too complicated, it's because the book has many levels. You can read it, beach read, or you can dig deeper and deeper and deeper, like I say, and, and start to see realities around you and, and people, how they react to things. The um, Zhivago, I mean, the evil, evil personified, but it's ideology. That's what's personified there. That's, that's what he's meant to represent, is if you have an ideology where you close out ideas, don't let any new ideas in and don't let your ideas out. You just share them with your own ideological fellows. What do you end up with? You, you end up with people that will hate anything that's outside of their ideology. That's what, that's what Zhivago represents, is, is ideologies. Yes, he's a character, but that he represents a bigger... He represents all of the, again, the ideologies that um, that I think do a disservice to even to the people we say it in the book, say it in the novel. They do it does a disservice to that which they're trying to actually serve, and so so, yeah. The the uh, the art world is is where it's written in, and the, our world is the bad organization. Javago is the. Am I giving too much away? If I am, by the way, because I can tell you the whole story if you want. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> no, Jack and I will spring into action and stop you. Yeah, I, I, honestly, a joke about that. I, because I, I started in 1997, I spent a lot of time in camps in the middle of the Himalayas or the Palmyras or the Karakoram. Or, I'm sure you've been in a few of these too. And, and you're with your buddies or whoever that happens to be sleeping on a mat. And, and I would be telling them the story of, of Call Me Hunter. So they've had to listen to this story over and over and over again. So I can tell this story, believe me, because I, I, I could have written the first 100 pages watching Laverne and Shirley reruns. I think I've said that before. And I know it's a terrible thing to say because that's not what us literature people do. But, uh, but I, I, I lived it. So it was just, it was easy to write. It, and I told the story over and over. So if I get too far into it and I, you guys tell me if I'm letting any of the cats out of the bag. No, I do want to ask one thing, though. So, um... When the kids read it, is there anything that they, is there one thing or that they came forward to ask you about and said, is this really true? Is there something they didn't know? How much did they not know yeah. of this story yeah, when they our, read it? Yeah, our, our daughter, Eva, um, she, when I gave it to her in the manuscript form, the same form you got, she read partway through it and then she, she couldn't read it anymore. And she said to me, she said, I, I know this is you. And I just don't want to know that this came came out of your head, because 
<laughs> well, because the evil is so evil, but it's not. It's observations over 65 years of seeing what I've seen, and I'm just writing it. But, you know, for her, it came out of my head, which, you know, Zhivago was in my head because I created them. They're all part of, you know, my story. And, and I mean, there isn't anybody, I, I mean, evil characters, you know, there's the bad guy for sure. So, so that's what, that was Eva's response. Our son, Branlin, who is a fabulous writer, and someday I will send Emily Bessler, he's written a novel, it's really, really good, called The Dwellers, and I, but he doesn't, he's also an amazing, talented musician. He's like my wife, just more talent in their fingernail. If I had that much of my wife's or our son's talent, I would be insufferable. Even more, I'd be Mick Jagger you know, strutting up here. So, so you know, whoever doles out the, the talent made sure that I only got that much of theirs or less than that. But but he read it, and he reads it. You know, he, we call him Amadeus Mozart behind his back. He hates it, but it's true. He's just genius. And he said, Dad, there's no ending, which <laughs> Emily Bessler pointed out very clearly to me. Um, and he, he said it was too long, which Emily Bessler cut out almost 20 pages from where I got too too wordy or too, you know, trying to make a point, it, you know. So he was right on, on both of those counts, but he, he loved it. You know, Branlin is, who, who is it? Um, oh, I shouldn't even use this quote, but I'm going to. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said, uh, uh, mediocrity is incapable of recognizing anything greater than itself, but talent instantly recognizes genius. So I just assume that Brand's so talented that he was, I know, I shouldn't have used that quote. Like, like I said, there's a reason why I, only, I wasn't given more talent than that, because I'd be insufferable more than I am. Is there anything that he asked about, though, specifically, other than pointing out the, the, the edits? Uh, is there any, any incident or person that he asked for clarification on? Or No, no, Branlin did not. Branlin did not. He, you know, he got it. He got it. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's, him and I are our two biggest fans. He just, I, I got to tell you a quick story. I know this is outside books, but he's also an amazing musician, like beyond talented and, as a musician and guitarist and songwriter, singer. He just got asked by our Canadian, who would be the biggest country and western star in the States, well, the Canadian who wins all the Juno Awards, which are our country music awards, just asked our son. Who's heard of the Juno Awards in here? Be honest. There you go. See? Wow. Yeah. That was like two people for everybody yeah. watching on this. So, yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> nah, they were raising the hand for something Excuse else. Excuse me. April, April Wine won Juno Awards when I was 18. Like, it's a big deal. But, but this young... This musician just asked Bran to open for him in the two concerts on Vancouver Island, December 4th and 6th, or 2nd and 4th. Second and fourth. So I, I bought 16 tickets to give all to my friends, and I'm hoping to get backstage passes or be a dadager and maybe get in there. Anyway, that has nothing to do with that. But Bran, Bran yeah, he never asked any other questions. I think he probably knew the answers, so why bother asking him? Did you give it to anybody else uh, early on? I gave it to my sister. Um, my sister, <laughs> this is funny, you're asking good questions here. She, my sister was my best man at my wedding when I married my wife 40 years ago, November 30th, and uh, um, we, were the, we were like this. But then I, I was married, so I had to tell my sister, look, you know, you can't be hanging around all the time. I got a wife now. And, and my sister is a very, you know, we're opposites. She thinks I, I have a big footprint in this earth. She's like, she, and she was a librarian. She's a like librarian. That's what she did. So she reads, like not your level because that's incredible. But but reads everything. She, I guarantee she's read most. She knows every author, and and I. <laughs> she also holds a grudge. So when I kind of said, "Look, you got to go," she didn't exactly talk to me for about thirty years, <laughs> thirty-eight years. <laughs> you know, and and you know, I I um, have a big footprint. She's you know totally. I don't know, Prius and all that stuff, and, and you know, I drive a big truck, blah, blah, blah. So we're just opposites. She married my best friend from university, a doctor, doctor, veterinarian doctor. So he's brilliant. He couldn't, you couldn't hold a conversation with him in here, like, how are you doing today? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, how are you doing? You mean, like, how am I doing what? Like, he's just too brilliant. So she married him, and uh, anyway, so I sent it to her. And, and... I literally, like, she hasn't talked to me. She hasn't, she'll talk to my wife, Louise, but me, no. You know, I just was, I don't know. And, and uh, she called back, like, two days later, and, and 
it was like it was like she was my best man again. It was the bizarrest closing of a of a circle back to where we were. And so she has been she <laughs> sorry, Jack, but this is a quote. She said, Jack Carr is my new favorite author that I've never read. So that's that's what she said, because because she loves that you supported the whole thing and I guarantee she's reading probably has read all six of your books. Yeah, because she heard the story of what you did, what you did to get a Tamley Bessler, and and um, so the Geraldine was the other one, and and she, and she called me back. She was, it was like I say, it was like we'd never been apart, and and one hundred percent all in on this book, and and she reads a lot, so her, her opinion, and no, again, no offense, was very <laughs> important to me because that's what she is. She's a reader. That's her whole life is is devoted to books. She lives it. And to have her all of a sudden all in on my novel, the brother she hasn't talked to for 35 years, it was pretty pretty important. Wow. <coughs> Sir, should we take questions from the audience? Do you yeah, know? let's do it. Let's ask, let's, uh, who has some questions here? I got one. It, first, I want to thank both of you. I, I love how you both seem to have in common you focused on family. You honor family, your, your dads, your, your, especially your kids and your wives, and I love that. Thank you for honoring your family the way you do. Uh, my question, I guess, is just to have you, I think you both have in common something that's rare, and that is at a very young age, you guys knew what you wanted to do, and you just did that from such an early age. That discipline and motivation and just knowing, most people don't know, they go to college, they figure it out later. Talk about how that worked in your life. Were there people that mentored you that made help that or? Just yeah, yeah I, you know, and thank you for being here, by the way, both of you. Yeah, the the um, you know I grew up in a trailer park, and the conversation around dinner table every night was whether Dad would get laid off. When we finally did buy a house, I was ten years old. Whether we'd lose the house, a mortgage, I didn't know what that was, but but I knew if my parents were afraid, that I should be really really afraid. And at the age of that, ten years of age, I said, I'll never live like that. You know, my dad has someone controlling. Our destiny, his family's destiny, and and I at ten, I said I'll never live like that. I'm going to be my own boss my entire life. I'm going to do what I need to do and want to do with my life. And I want to be a novelist, and I want to have a museum of natural history, and I'm going to dedicate my life to it. And and no one is going to take me off that path. And and it, you know, I say if you drive for half a century in one direction, you end up somewhere. You know, same with Jack. You you end up somewhere. You just you don't take side roads. You know, the the boys are all going partying. No, I want to read. I mean, I wanted to read all the the classics when I was in university. I didn't go to the classes, but I wanted to because they always gave me C's. I I copied A plus papers and they'd give me a C. And this it's a true story. It's a true story. What's her What's her name? The um, the um, uh, the famous singer Joni Mitchell went to my high school, same teacher, and, and he kept all the papers all the years. I copied Joni Mitchell's A-plus paper, C-minus, for me. That's true story, and that's, you'll find Joni Mitchell in, in uh, Call Me Hunter. This which? Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, it was, maybe it was the earring, the Fu Manchu, and the... Yeah, disrespectful authority, I hated authority figure. But, but, it, but um, yeah, it, you know, you get one life. You get one life. And to me, at a very early age, I realized I will not squander one second of this life. Not one minute of it. Why? Why? You know, and so, the, so it was never a question for me to, uh, you, know, I, the, you know, no limit to desire, but desire is need. My desire was to be a novelist and to have a hand of man yeah, I didn't know the name at that time, but a museum of natural history, and that's what I've devoted my life to. And and I didn't want to have anybody else telling me I couldn't pay the mortgage, and scaring my kids. So so it was, yeah, it was you know an avoidance of that life. I felt sorry for my parents. You know, at that age, I realized I was different than them. Different, even though they were wonderful, salt of the earth people. You know, I I just knew that that's uh, I wasn't going to be salt of the earth people. That sounds terrible. I have a question. When I picked up the book this afternoon, when I came, I realized that you must have a background in Pinehorse, North Carolina. <laughs> because you Isn't that with... funny? Yeah, that's so I'll spend the winter there. I, we have a, well, we, me, I have a, 
um, a home in the country club in North Carolina, right on the water, looking at the uh, CCNC, uh, I guess the clubhouse. So yeah, that, that's that's true. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I love it there. Love golf too, by the way. So, anyone else? There's a hand in the back too for. I see you back there. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know that wasn't for the Juno Awards. <laughs> Jim, this is my first entree into your work, and I'm looking forward to re reading. Um, I have read the first eight chapters, and Jack is right. It does pull you right from the preface, and it, it's a book that you don't want to put down. But I want to take advantage of, of Jack as well. I just got your blog, and you've announced the title for number seven, and you're bringing back Alice. So can you tell us a little bit about the next James Reese? Yeah, I yeah. sure can. I sure can. So book number seven comes out May, I think May 14th, and uh, Red Sky Morning is the name, but spelled morning, like you are, um, uh, not M-O-R-N-I-N-G. And it's, uh, it does bring back Alice and explores the, all my books have a theme, and this one explores loyalty. And really, this one is about the battle for control of Alice, who is uh, at the end of the, the, the previous books, has kind of essentially gone into hiding at the deepest levels of the Internet and has uh, become a weapon. And now it is uh, there's some there's some factions out there that are building their own quantum computers and artificial intelligence uh, that also control hypersonic missiles and do passive targeting and all these things that uh, uh, that are essentially creating a new space um, when it comes to warfare. But uh, it's a battle for control of her. And James Reese has decided to to uh, to go off the grid, essentially, and uh, maybe start a family in Montana. And there's something that's going to pull him back in. So it's uh, once again, it's timely. I feel like I gotta, I gotta get this thing out there before anything really happens. Because uh, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to be researching all these things. Because uh, I go deep, I go really deep into the research on these things, especially on things that I don't know, like the sniper weapon systems and that sort of stuff. If I, if I've forgotten something, I can. There's a few people I can call to, to, uh, to, to see what they they have to say, or at least get that part right. But so the things that I don't have touch points with, like bioweapons in the in the devil's hand or the quantum computing in uh, uh, in the blood and in the one I'm writing right now and even since that last book since our uh, two books ago from uh, in the blood there's been so much that's happened as far as artificial intelligence goes and quantum computing goes so things are moving so fast in that space but I do a deep dive and a lot of people uh, I'm fortunate a lot of people um, with some high-level security clearances uh, uh, feel comfortable talking to me so I get to uh, pick their brains a little bit and then fictionalize it so Love it. Yeah. And on a commercial note, you can already pre-order it for the poison pen. Just thought I'd mention it. Pre-order <laughs> today. Yeah, we have it all set up. So was there somebody way in the back? Can can we hear you or do you want the microphone? I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan, so I was yelling all weekend. So you've lost your voice, right? I'm sorry. Well, I'm being a hypocrite. I'm not sorry, but at the same time. <laughs> no. Would you like the mic? <clears throat> Truth. You know, it, 
so far, and I told Jack this, it's worked out to about $1.50 an hour for me. You know, that's that's a lot of effort for for not a lot of money. So, so you know, and there's a lot of things that I have interest in that I could, you know, politics, I could get into that. Maybe I'd be, I could help change the world that way too. But there's no nothing greater than, than the pen. It truly isn't. So if it does well, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see what people thought of it before I went on and, and used another eight months of my life. Because when I write, it's four in the morning till noon, and then I go golf or do something. And, and, and that's why I couldn't do it with Louise in, in um, you know, going through what she was going through. I, I just couldn't dedicate that much of my life to, to another project. Um, but now I don't have that. So I can, I can, I will sit down and get back into that writing for eight hours and, and, um, and seven days a week until it's done. I, I have no problem discipline-wise. I, I like Twizzlers and deep-fried stuff, so yes, I do have a problem with discipline, <laughs> but but not for the writing part. So so yeah, no, I'll, I'll get that done. Uh, but it all depends, you know, if it, if it's a big fat flop and and you know, I, I don't know if I could I could justify you know working for eight months for a dollar fifty an hour plus all the time after. Um, I, my lifestyle is too expensive. I, I spend way too much money to, to live on that. But I, I asked Jack, I said, is it worth it? And he kind of went, yeah. So, you know, and, and I, we also talked about that there's another reason to do things. I needed to write Call Me Hunter because I, I, that's my whole life. That's what I wanted to do was be a novelist. So I needed to do that. So there is that as well that still, the story's not finished. You know, I, I know the story. It's my story. I, so I, I, you won't have to wait Bottom line is you don't have to wait 30 more years. You'll be happy to know that there is a payoff, but sometimes it's slower in in writing than it might be in other things. Right, Jack? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. I just mm -hmm. type away. So yeah, I know. But seriously, you know, not everybody starts out making millions of dollars on their first book. It takes a while sometimes. Yes, sir. Do you want the mic? Uh, no, okay, thank you. Uh, Jim, you mentioned your museum of natural history, correct? Is there a reason you chose to go the art route as opposed to something more closely related to the the actual <clears throat> my actual museum is on Vancouver Island. It's about an hour north of Victoria, and I assure everybody, if you go, you won't be disappointed. It, you can't describe it. It's it's again, it's like a, a autobiographical, abstract, fictional thriller. It's a different category of museums. So so it's actually the the Hand of Man Museum of Natural History cultural arts and conservation. So a big part of the museum is actually art. Um, it's something I've been fascinated in on for years. In fact, I was, I was probably the one that discovered the, the Western ethnocentric vernacular Dukobor Mennonite Hutterite Ukrainian furniture. I was dealing in that back in the 70s. Um, Rachel Newman was the editor of, Out, uh, of Country Living Magazine out of New York City. And she did at least three articles on my collection back in those days and said, uh, quote, unquote, it was the finest and largest collection. Oh, now I'm not, I'm paraphrasing. The finest and large collection of, of this type of furniture they'd ever seen. She flew out to, with a photographer to write the articles on, on this collection. So I've been dealing in the art. In fact, Louise, if she was around, would tell you that I bait and switched her. So I, I mean, I was an art dealer. Uh, that's what I, that's what I dealt in, um, and then went into the outdoors because I couldn't travel around the world doing the art. It wouldn't have worked. Uh, I couldn't do my story. So, so yeah, that's why the the art because that's more of what I've ever done in my life than anything else. Anyone else have a question? Jack, do you have a final question? Well, we got to we got to what's coming next, but other than the book and other than <clears throat> than golf, um, did you just say that with the? Did he go? I did golf? a little bit. He did. I did. He almost he almost spit when I you did. said it. I mean, it's like go, bring it on. They're great shooting America. ranges. It should be a great shooting range. Instead, you got deal this ball all over the place. It's but, the same. Uh, Archery it's very same. And golf for the very same. same. Very similar. Very. I'll give you yeah. Very similar. Uh, but have you heard uh, Malcolm Gladwell talk about golf courses? Well, can we talk no, about no. Pinehurst? You did, you did say Pinehurst, didn't you? 
Pinehurst, yeah. Pinehurst, North Carolina. So I have a much younger brother who is the product of a golf vacation that my parents took in <laughs> Pinehurst, North Carolina. My mother <laughs> sulked for years about going to the... She, comes full she loved my brother, but she hadn't actually planned on having another child. But, you know, golf vacations can distract you, so, so it did. But I loved it. CT, when you brought that up, I started laughing. My brother's not here tonight, fortunately, but there we go. Yeah, anyway, it it's a great golf course. North Carolina is a super um, haven for golfers, but then it's not too mean here in Scottsdale either. Yeah, there's a few around here too. Mm. I played a lot of them in the in the past. Not well, but I'm better now. So yeah, no, especially with all my Arizona time in has loads of great golf courses, and you can go around the world. Actually, Ireland and New Zealand have astonishing golf courses, so you can progress. Right, so I want to... Well, I'll ask my last one. I'll ask my oh, last sorry. one. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so <clears throat> we didn't really talk about... Uh, Chip Shockey's Hunting Adventures or uh, Shock Therapy, which is going on still right now. Um, hunts coming up. I mean, is that party, is that, are you turning a page and do you mention politics? You mentioned it to me a few uh, times. I didn't want to bring it up unless you did. Um, but uh, the hunting side of your life, it's always going to be a part of you. But what, what does that look like going forward? Whether it's with Outdoor Channel or personally, obviously there's there's business ventures there. But what does that, what does that look like going forward? Yeah, we're, we're, we're producing the Shock Therapy. That's one of our TV shows that airs on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, and it's syndicated around the world. But we, I also produce shows for the Aboriginal People's Television Network up in Canada, APTN, which is a big network. So we do two shows for them, Yukon Harvest and uh, Coastal Carvers. So that those are those are actually more bigger productions than what you see down here. Um, so I'm still going to continue telling the stories with visuals. Um, the hunting, you know, 2016, I decided that in 2019 October, Mozambique was my last international trip. And the reason, because I had to write this novel. And, and Louise would tell you, because we also were having grandchildren showing up and kids were getting married. But, but really, I had to write the novel. So I, I just decided then that I was done. International travel, and I, had, I knew my story. I did, what was I gonna add to, to the story? It would just make it longer, I'd have to do four books. So, so I, you know, I, I, I was done. You know, I was done. 2019 October international travel for for that part of my life was was over. Um, and our museum, that's what I was doing it for, was well, the experiences for the novel, but to bring these, I spent more time looking for the cultural artifacts. What you see on TV was, ask my cameraman, they'd go crazy. These young guys just want to climb mountains and said, so no, we're going to this village. There's a shaman there that apparently has a piece that he knows about that his great grandmother and then they're going to have a market on the weekend. They bring things in. I spent more time doing that than I did actually doing the hunting uh, or, you know, the television because the hunting was for the television and for the museum. And it, it's, I've got everything for the museum. I don't need more. And you can't go buy those things, the natural history objects. That's the only way you can do it. Uh, for conservation, they keep it that way so there's no commercial market you're buying and selling of, of these species. But museums can go gather them. That's allowed. Um, even places like Somalia, we, we opened the first national park in Somalia, the, the Hand of the Lion, Donald Pat, or whatever they call it, um, muse or uh, the national, national park, and set up a wildlife management plan in Somalia. Uh, well, Somali land, which isn't recognized by anybody. Um, we, we've done that down in um, Paraguay as well. So I was doing a lot of that while I was doing the television, but I, to travel internationally, I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I've got the T-shirt, and I need to write, and I've got other things that need to be done right now. That, uh, so yeah, that chapter is over. You know, and you can't, you can't go back. You know, what would it be doing it now for? It doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, that that's chapter's over. My wife is also gone now, so it's time. You know, I'm going to outrun the sorrow. I told. Jack and, and work the grief to death, but it's not going to be traveling internationally unless the book gets published in all these various countries and I have to do, but I, we don't even need to do that anymore because we can ship it from here. I learned from that today. Well, yeah. yeah, but you'd like it to be translated into other languages and let people in other countries, you know, read the book. There's a last question. I see a hand up there. Back, sir. How about you, sir?
Correct. Yeah, I. Yeah, I've been asked by a couple of our well, two different parties that amalgamated conservative side. Uh, Thirty years ago, I was asked, and I said no. They went through all the vetting process, and they wanted, and they, I would have been elected, and I, but it would have taken me in a direction away from. Remember what I said? You drive in one direction for half a century, so that's alluring. You know, I'd have been a congressman at a very young age, and or equivalent of a congressman, an MP, member of parliament. And and you know I, I right now I'd probably be trying to be our prime minister, which I wish now yeah. I would have gone that route. <laughs> oh, yes. you guys, anybody wants to trade leaders? <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 right? We've yeah. tried very hard to stay apolitical, so this is not the but, moment but to do you, that. that. But here, here's the point that I'm making by saying that. It's good people aren't showing up to, to stand up and, and stand for something. Nobody can hurt me. It's impossible to hurt me. You want to, you know, send me home? I mean, really? I've been there and back again to the bottom, to the top, uh, you know, everywhere in between. And so nobody can hurt me. So why not, why not put my hat in that ring and try and make a change? The problem is I'm 65, so I, I would not want to do it unless I could be, you know, God Emperor of Canada, and like that's so so so, you know, to be a little backbencher, which I wouldn't last very long. I'd I'd just be too outspoken, and 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 I mean, I would enjoy eviscerating these, ugh, you know, mindless. They're just they're just quack quacks. So so yeah, it's a it's a possibility. It is, but if this book does well, honestly, then I think I can make. I, I mean that I think I can make more of a difference writing, and and. Through gaining respect on the on the writing side, I think I can, you know, I can eviscerate them on a different uh, a different way. I don't have to stand on the backbench, and you all don't have to worry that I'll try and be God Emperor, because that's probably where I'd go if I went into politics. Certainly, if I'd have started 30 years ago. So, uh, you know, the way the book is going right now, I don't I don't see it as a possibility because I just wouldn't have the time to do four days a week or what are they, what are they work politicians. One day every ten days or something like that. So, so, so I. It's hard to say. You know, it, it just may get to a point too where writing or not, I'll write in my spare time on the nine days off out of every ten that they get. But you know, there just comes a point where you, good people have to stand up that are fearless, that are fearless. They can't take anything. What are you going to cancel me? <laughs> you know, good luck. You know, you can't. It's you can't cancel me. You can't hurt me. You can call me names. It doesn't hurt me. You can disagree with me. Your ideologies. You can. You can. You know, sticks and stone me, but you're not going to do that to death. Uh, you know, and I. I'm all in on that. I believe in what I believe. And I, if the politicians would nowadays, then I could have somebody to vote for. That's why I actually said you want to trade leaders. What do they stand for? You know, what do they stand for? Whatever the wind blows this way, I stand for this. Stand for that. And I, I'm not getting into your American politics because I can't vote. I, I did apply for American citizenship recently, and uh, then they explained to me the tax implications, so I had to withdraw my... <laughs> okay, Jim, on that note. <laughs> right, so let's give our authors a round of applause for coming tonight. Sure. And I just want to say, Jim, thank you so much for, for writing this book and sharing this gift with, with everyone who can now enjoy it the way, the way I did. And I want to let you know that, uh, that I know all our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family over your, your loss. And uh, I want to thank you also for your, inspir for your years and years of inspiration. So thank you for everything. Aww. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.